Hello everybody, I'm Sean and welcome back to the Croc Time Podcast, delivering weekly updates on markets and geopolitics, providing you with valuable insights and unique perspectives on events and trends shaping the world. Welcome back to episode four of this five-part series on African coups. Be sure to check out the first three episodes, which went into great depth on colonialism, French meddling, and the factors behind the Sahel region's instability. Today's episode will analyze the same region since 2012, when France intervened militarily. Hint, a lot has happened and it is quite complex. So let's cut to the chase. Following the Libyan civil war in 2011, jihadist groups spread through the Sahel with lots of arms. An uprising of the Tuaregs in Mali in 2012, which were allied with the jihadists, precipitated the country into chaos. As the situation continued to deteriorate and a coup toppled Mali's government, France ended up spearheading Operation Serval into the country. If you're wondering what Serval is, it's a medium-sized African wild feline. The operation's objective was to rid the north of Mali from Islamic militants who were continuing to expand southwards. The operation began on January 13, 2013, when four French fighter jets attacked targets in the city of Gao, an important commercial center in trans-Saharan trade, which had been captured by Tuareg and Islamist rebels. Over the following months, the operation was a smashing success. France and Mali reconquered all major cities. By May of 2013, France was already withdrawing some of its forces to the Ivory Coast. Most of the Islamic leaders had been killed or had fled to Libya and Algeria. The operation ended in July of 2014, but it was immediately replaced by another operation named Barkane. In fact, while Operation Serval had been a success, Islamist groups continued to roam the deserts. They crossed borders, smuggled weapons, all the while gaining traction among locals and executing violent attacks. Operation Barkane looked to help five countries' governments in the Sahel, namely Mauritania, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger and Chad, to maintain control over their territory. The operation also wanted to prevent the region from becoming a safe haven for Islamist terrorist groups which could potentially attack France and Europe. During this period, the militant terrorist group, the Islamic State, was wrecking havoc in Syria and Iraq in the Middle East. It gained global prominence by capturing large amounts of territory. As European fear of terrorism mounted, France led the fight in the Sahel against Islamist groups. We won't go into detail on the jihadist groups operating in the Sahel, but they include AQIM, which stands for Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, and Jama'at Nasr al-Islam wal-Muslimin, boy, what a tough name, which is commonly referred to as JNIM. The Islamic State, also called IS, entered the scene from 2016. In fact, after the instability and power vacuum in Libya, it spread into the country and then moved throughout the Sahel. It then became known as the Islamic State in the Greater Sahel. 
Part of Boko Haram, a militant terrorist organization which operated around the Lake Chad region, split in 2016 and became the Islamic State's West African province. Now that we got that out of the way, let's now continue with the story. France already had four permanent bases in the continent, in Djibouti, Gabon, Ivory Coast and Senegal. Its new permanent bases with Operation Barkhane were centered in Chad, Mali and Niger. Coordination with the local armies was central to this operation. It is important to note how the operation was very international. In addition to 4,500 French troops, which then went up to 5,100 at one point, there were 1,000 US soldiers and drones operating from a base in Niger. 1,500 UN Blue Helmets were present in Mali. The EU launched a program to train the Malian army, and other European countries, such as the Czech Republic, sent hundreds of special forces to the Sahel. However, even with all the support, by 2016, progress on the operation was slow. Senior jihadist leaders had been killed, but new ones popped up and the groups continued to grow stronger. Jihadist groups took advantage of local anger at massacres committed by national armies and managed to increase their numbers. They also used ethnic and social tensions to their advantage. The Sahel region was just the perfect breeding ground for jihadist groups. The government's inability to provide basic services in the first place and its violent response to the insurgents, including indiscriminate killings against its own population, led to mounting anger. By the time IS joined the party in 2016, not much had changed on the ground. Between 2016 and 2017, the insurgency intensified when a large terrorist attack rocked Ouagadougou, the capital of Burkina Faso, killing over 30 people. The number of deaths started to pick up very rapidly into 2017 and 2018 as violence intensified in neighboring Niger and Burkina Faso. The number of people forced to flee from their homes grew from half a million in 2016 to over 2 million by 2020. As Operation Barkane failed to bring peace and continued through the years, Many locals questioned the legitimacy of the French intervention. People supported Operation Serval, but they did not understand why French presence continued. A 2017 study found that less than half of respondents in Mali were satisfied with the French intervention. Anti-French sentiment continued to grow under the surface as the rebellion intensified and violence spread. Continued political instability in the region contributed to growing government weakness. Egypt faced a second coup in 2013, with General al-Sisi gaining power. A 2014 uprising in Burkina Faso led to France's long-standing ally, Compaoré, who had ruled the country for 27 years, to flee to the Ivory Coast. Compaoré's exit was a massive loss for France. The country's newly elected president, Roche Caboret, 
bugged France about declassifying the murder of the country's revolutionary leader, Thomas Sankara. He also pushed France to extradite Compaoré and his family members because of the human rights violations. Although Caboret did not necessarily like France, they did work together to fight the growing jihadist threat. In 2016, Compaoré loyalists attempted a coup against the Caboret government, but it ultimately failed. As the years passed on by, France failed to achieve its objectives and the conflict widened, all the while political turbulence and corruption remained widespread. Violence between 2018 and 2020 increased dramatically. Deaths from conflict in 2019 doubled compared to the previous year, with Burkina Faso bearing the brunt of it. Protests grew louder as economies failed to grow due to the instability and increasing cost of living. Demonstrations in Sudan grew particularly intense, and in April of 2019, its controversial president, Omar al-Bashir, was overthrown by the military. He had been ruling for 30 years. The new civilian government that was tasked to transition the country to a democracy had no effective power, and one of the country's generals, al-Burhan, held the reins. Sudan's neighbor Chad, with its French-backed leader, Idris Deby, had been facing conflicts on each side of its borders for years. To the south, the Central African Republic's civil war was raging since 2012. To the north, the Libyan civil war progressed with increasing foreign military interventions. To the east, instability from the war in Darfur continued, and then Sudan witnessed a new military coup. To its west, they had been dealing with Boko Haram around the Lake Chad region and the expansion of jihadist groups. In addition to all of this, it also fought an internal civil war between 2005 and 2010. Boy, what a mess! Ethnic instability in Ethiopia was also growing under the surface with the Amhara coup attempt in June of 2019. There were so many things just boiling and ready to explode in the region. Due to all of this, in February of 2020, France announced the deployment of an additional 600 troops to the Sahel, bringing the total to 5,100. Then the pandemic hit. It is hard to overstate COVID-19's effect on Africa and especially the Sahel. Its people had been suffering economic hardship for years, in addition to violence and a non-existent government. Debt to GDP widened in all African countries. Food insecurity and malnutrition increased, and years of progress vanished. Extreme poverty spread throughout Western Africa. This was the final straw to an already dreadful and unsustainable situation. Protests continued and intensified dramatically. Those in Mali started in June 2020. People were displeased and called for President Keita to step down. The reasons for their displeasure were the management of the war in the north, corruption, COVID-19, 
and a precipitating economy. Anti-French sentiment had never been stronger, aided also by Russian disinformation campaigns. In fact, in these years, Russia had gained a strong foothold in the continent, especially in the Central African Republic and in Libya. In August 2020, Malian soldiers forced President Keita to resign and leave the country. This event marked the beginning of the end of Operation Barkhane. From here on, the situation only worsened. The French suffered setback after setback. Russia and Turkey made significant gains in the region, all the while military officers took power in nine different successful coups. In Mali, after the 2020 coup, a weak transition government was established. In the meantime, however, many things were happening all over the region. Violence in Libya surged in 2020 with a Turkish military intervention fighting the Russian-backed warlord in the east. The war in Tigray troubled Ethiopia from November of 2020, destabilizing neighboring countries. A coup attempt in March 2021 in Niger almost toppled the newly elected government of Mohamed Bazoum. Interestingly, its presidential guard leader, Omar Chani, helped save the day. We will get back to him later on. Idris Deby, one of France's key ally in the region, was killed in April of 2021, leading his troops on the front line during an offensive in the north of the country. The death of Deby was another great loss for France, as Deby had been a strong player in the fight against jihadists. His son Mohamed Deby immediately took over. People like to call this event a coup, but I beg to differ. His son was already a general in the army and was the natural successor. He didn't take down the government to become leader. So I don't really understand why people would call this a coup. In May of 2021, Mali's vice president and military officer, Asimi Goita, staged a second coup and took power, dismissing the weak transitional government. Goita quickly distanced himself from France and got closer to Russia. Goita immediately asked help from the Wagner Group, a Russian mercenary group with the Russian government's backing. Mali was immediately expelled from ECOWAS, a regional alliance, while tensions with France grew. In fact, in June 2021, French President Emmanuel Macron announced that Operation Barkhane would end soon because of France's inability to work with the national governments in the Sahel. Mali ordered the French troops to leave the country, and by February 2022, all 2,400 troops stationed there had left to neighboring Niger. Since then, violence in the country has only increased as the Wagner Group has mostly helped Goita stay in power rather than help reconquer lost territories. President of Guinea, Alpha Condé, the country's first democratically elected president, won an unconstitutional third term in 2021. 
A military coup followed right after in September 2021. France effectively lost another key ally in the region. Guinea was suspended from both the African Union and ECOWAS. In September of 2021, a coup attempt in Sudan almost took down the government. But the following month, another coup followed, though this time it was successful. Military forces dismissed the transitional government and General Al-Burhan took complete power. In the meantime, violence from jihadists in the desert continued to increase and expand southward. Thousands of people were killed. Northwestern Nigeria started to be targeted as well as northern Benin, Togo, Ghana and the Ivory Coast. As the instability continued, inflation started to rise throughout the world following the reopening from the COVID-19 pandemic. Russia's invasion of Ukraine disrupted food supplies to many of these nations. Northern Africa was especially hard hit as they were extremely dependent on Ukrainian wheat exports. Rising interest rates also hurt the prospects of many of these nations. Food insecurity grew, having strong implications on the poorest African economies. Defaults across the continent rose and debt restructuring challenges emerged. 2022 was not much better for the region, as a coup in January toppled Caboret's government in Burkina Faso. Each new military regime in the region vowed to tackle the growing insecurity problem. However, Burkina Faso's new military leader, Damiba, was ousted by other army officers just eight months later in September of 2022. Its new young leader, Ibrahim Traoré, immediately took a hard stance against France. During his one year in power, he is aligned closer to Russia, he has cracked down on French media and ordered the departure of France's ambassador and all the troops stationed there. He thinks he is a new Thomas Sankara, but he controls less than 50% of his own country. By August of 2022, all French forces had been withdrawn from Mali and Operation Barkane was officially ended in November of 2022. However, French troops remain in a number of countries, such as Chad. Coup attempts during the year also affected Guinea-Bissau and Sao Tome and Principe. By the end of the year, hostilities in Ethiopia had ended, although tensions remain extremely high in other Ethiopian regions. 2023 was even worse. A conflict in Sudan erupted between General Al-Burhan and the Sudanese army against a paramilitary force led by Hemeti. So far, the conflict is still raging on with thousands of deaths and hundreds of thousands of refugees. Echoes of a genocide, especially in Darfur, are resurfacing in recent months. What really shocked many were the coups in Niger and Gabon in July and August of 2023. Niger had been one of the few success stories in its battle against the jihadists. 
Violence had actually fallen and the democratic president Bazoum's tactics as well as his policies were very admirable. In Gabon, a family-run dynasty with strong ties to France that had ruled since 1967 officially ended. Presidential guards had taken over power in both countries. The head of the presidential guard in Niger, Omar Chani, who I'd mentioned before and who had helped save Bazoum during the 2021 coup attempt, now led the coup and is currently the country's new leader. The reasoning for Niger's coup was a deteriorating security situation, although this doesn't stand with the facts on the ground. Since then, violence has only increased in the country. The coup led to the 2023 Nigerian crisis with a possible ECOWAS military intervention in the country to reinstate Mohamed Bazoum. Both Mali and Burkina Faso supported the new military regime, while Nigeria, with French backing, was spearheading an ECOWAS intervention. However, I find this entire ordeal pretty funny for a number of reasons. First of all, not all ECOWAS members actually supported this. Secondly, both Mali and Burkina Faso control less than 50% of their respective countries, so I can't imagine how they would have intervened to support Niger's new military regime. Thirdly, Nigeria is failing to tackle violence in its own country. Kidnappings in the Northwest continue to rise. Violence is raging in the Northeast, with Boko Haram and the new IS arm continuing to spread terror. Tensions in the middle of Nigeria between farmers and herders are leading to hundreds of deaths, while violent groups continue to dominate its oil-rich southeast. How could Nigeria possibly even think of intervening with such an unstable domestic situation? The fourth point I'd like to make is that for many players, both in the region and internationally, there are good coups and bad coups. It all depends on the person that becomes the new leader. When Mahamat Debi in Chad took power, it was okay because he supports the West. The first coup in Burkina Faso in January of 2022 was also alright as the French could continue to work with the new government. But the recent coup in Niger or the coup in Burkina Faso in September of 2022 are labeled as bad by the media as pro-West governments were toppled. I find this both sad and hypocritical. When these new military regimes in the region take power, they have nowhere else to turn to apart from Russia. They are being isolated by the international community and their neighbors while fighting violent, extremist and ruthless jihadists that seem to have the upper hand. The remaining ECOWAS members to the south should be doing much more to protect their borders and also help Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger tackle the common jihadist threat. The Wagner Group's intervention throughout the region is certainly not improving the situation. I don't want to be too harsh on France, but their regional alliances and aspirations have fallen off a cliff. Wow, that was long. 
I'll stop it here for now for this episode, otherwise my editor will scold me. The next episode will analyze the situation going forward. What can we expect? And what are the wider implications of all of this? Thank you! I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cock Time. Please leave a review and follow me on Instagram, and I'll be back next time with more insightful research.